pray that you have worshipped today as your pastor. I, I have to admit, I'm very, very broken today. I want you to see something that I read this week that sort of launches into what I think God has given me. I, I had a total different message I had prepared and planned going into Friday and uh, continue our study in the book of Acts and things have happened in our nation. It's just stirred me and brought me to a place where I know that God's leading me to share this today and and it's not easy, but I know that I must be obedient, and I'm going to be. I want to share with you from a book uh, by Dr. <coughs> Carl Zimmerman. He's a sociologist who wrote a book called Family and Civilization. And he listed in this book five characteristics that are common when a nation begins to unravel. Here they are. Marriage lost its sacredness. Two, feminist movements undermined complementary and cooperating roles as women lost interest in mothering in pursuit of personal power. Three, parenting became increasingly difficult. Public disrespect for parents and authority increased, and delinquency and promiscuity became more commonplace. Number four, adultery is celebrated, not punished. People who broke their marriage vow, we admired. Five, there was increased tolerance for incestuous and homosexual sex with an increase in sexual crime. This book was written 68 years ago. When I read that, my breath went away because in those five things, that's where our country is. And as your pastor, and as a sojourner in this country, I am broken. And I don't know that we see it. And that's been my prayer since Friday. I've hardly left this place this whole weekend trying to get the mind of God. What do you want me to speak? What do you want me to say? As I start this message today, I just ask you to join with me first in praying for our country. Father God, we humble ourselves before you, God. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. God, have mercy on us. We have chosen to walk away from you and your will and your ways, oh God. And we have substituted things to try to meet our needs, oh God in an unhealthy, ungodly way. Oh God, we pray, don't give up on us. Have mercy on us, God. Don't give us what we deserve, oh God. Stir our hearts as your people, God, that we would be brought back to intimacy with you, oh God. 
that we would live our lives in a way that reflect who you are and what you're like. Help us to see the only thing that's going to change this world, oh God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, hearts must be changed. And the only avenue that you have chosen for hearts to be changed is through your church, oh God. We're called to represent you in this world, oh God. We're called, Lord, to let people know that though your sins be as scarlet, he can wash them as white as snow. He can give you a brand new start. He can give you a brand new life. He can give you a brand new power and a brand new relationships. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and meet with us here today. God, I pray for churches all over this community and all over our country, God. Give your men, Lord. Give your women faith, Lord, to believe you. And Lord, even in the midst of this battle, Lord, that we're facing, even though, Lord, we may lose a battle, we know that we have won the war. Jesus Christ is King of kings and he is Lord of lords and nothing and nobody and no country will ever deny that. We'll never be able to say, Lord, there's coming a day that I'll never bend my knee, but God, there is going to be a day. And until then, God, break our hearts, oh God, over our own sin, over our own rebellion, over our wrong-heartedness, Lord. And Lord, get our hearts right with you so that we can be an instrument in your hand, oh God, to represent you as a loving, gracious, merciful, and holy God. It starts with us, oh God. You tell us in your word, judgment starts in the house of the Lord. So, oh God, meet with us today stir our hearts afresh let us experience you in Jesus name all God's people said amen I've noticed and I don't know what you have or not but if you watch enough newscasts as I do and television programs and one of the things I've, I've realized that America today has a new definition of courage. Here it is. Being true to yourself. They will tell you that one of the greatest steps of courage is for you to be true to yourself. Now I want you to think about that with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Amen. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. The Bible says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in their lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. One of the most courageous things you can do in America these days, they say, is to be true to yourself. Being true to who you are. Being true to yourself. I, I, I want to take you on a little journey this morning to show you what it looks like when we live out this principle. Now, as I share with you today, don't think I'm up here to share with you today that I'm this judge pointing a finger. Oh no, I'm right here with us all together, but we, we've got to be able to see things that 
that we need to understand what's happening. And I believe as we see these things, my heart is praying, my heart is praying for us all that we would be broken because America's problem today is that we're broken. We're a broken nation. We live in a broken world. And the reason for that is because we're all broken people. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Amen? And we're all in need of the grace of God. And so as we look at some things here this morning, they will grab your heart. At least I hope they do. And I hope they break your heart. Because I believe that's what God would have this morning. But hang on. Grace is on the way. In 1973, America legalized in a subject called Roe versus Wade the legal right to abort babies. In 1973, from to this day, there has been over 55 million babies killed. There's on the average, according to the latest statistics, over 3,000 babies taken from us every day. Being true to ourselves. Be true to yourself. I don't have time for that. I, I didn't expect to get pregnant. So therefore, in con for convenience sake, I must abort the baby. Now hear my heart. Many of us maybe in this room have gone through that. God's redeemed you for that. Praise God. But we want you to see. I just want you to see what happens to a country, to us, when we believe this principle that the America's calling courage, being true to yourself, what it looks like. We got an average of 1.2 million marriages that end in divorce every year. They say even in the church, it's almost 50% that are getting divorced. Being true to yourself. I deserve to be happy. So I need to quit kidding myself and get out of this relationship. And so we've swung from that to cohabiting. It is a, a, a new thing. It, really not a new thing. It's just a, a nice word of saying we're shacking up now and more together today than ever before. Because I want to be true to myself and, you know, I want to check her out and make sure she's okay and, and you know, so that if it's not, then I can get rid of her and, and, and get rid of him and I can go to the next one. It's almost like picking out a car. It breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of God. Then as we look at our nation we look at being true to ourselves, being true to yourself. Pornography. They say 68% of men look at porn at least once a week. 18% of women look at porn once a week. Now, in the church, they're saying that 50% of the men in the church are struggling with pornography. And little less than that, watch this, are pastors. God have mercy on us. I'm not pointing a finger. Hear my heart. But what's happening? We're being true to yourself. And then today, 
uh, the big thing that's been going on for years and it's just, it's just escalating in proportions like never before is what we call the, uh, the gender identity rebellion. Back in the early 70s, it seemed the 70s where all, a lot of this started in an incredible way. It's probably started before then, but it began to be real, come to the surface and come out. In the early 70s, I remember myself as the transsexualism, meaning that it, you come into this world as a boy and girl, and, and maybe you had these feelings that, that that's not who you are, so what we need to do is we need to change your sex, and so therefore we have these operations to change. Well, if you were a boy, we're going to change you to a girl, and if you're a girl, we're going to change you to a boy. And then today, the big thing that you see on the news and all the tabloids, you go to the grocery store, you go to Walmart, and there the tabloids are, the transgenderism. You know who's on the, the picture? Bruce Jenner. Well, what do we think about Bruce Jenner? Well, I'm sorry, his name's not Bruce Jenner no more, it's what? Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. Well, let me just say this. He is a man. I don't care how many names you put on it. I don't care how much spin you put on it. I don't care what you classify it as or what you want to be called. That It's irrelevant. Listen, he was born a man. Then there's a new thing that I, I had never heard of, and I'm not even sure if I, I can spell it right, called transableism. Well, somebody decided that they decided, and this was how it first started, the guy decided, hey, I really don't like my arm, so I want to take this arm and take it off because it, it doesn't really fit with me. And so I tried to, he tried to figure out, how can I take and, and, and take my arm off without bleeding to death and so he come up with an idea that, hey, we need to be able to do this. And more and more people come out of the closet and say, hey, I believe in that. I want to take these certain parts off of me so that I can be free to who I feel like I am. Now, if I, I was telling you stuff, it's just a joke. It, it'd be one thing. But this is show enough, show enough happening. Then what's going on today is there's this gender-created children. We're, we're wanting to make gender-created children. Now, watch this, how it works. Is that they want to take boys, and we want to feminize boys, and we want to take girls and masculize them. And so they thought, well, here's a way that we can do that. And so I, I come across this survey. It was so funny. It said this. It says, if you, this is their th thinking, if you give girls trucks, soon they will become like boys. So guess what? They did that. And they put them in a room. And it showed up, a, a girl decided, hey, I, I'm going to, a co-worker went and checked on the girls, and when she opened the, girl, the, the, the door, the little girl said, shh, shh, the trucks are sleeping. I love it. Then we have the gender stereotypical. And this is what they're trying to do now. Uh, the, the, the movement today is to stop free play. We don't want to let our kids have free play. And the reason why we don't want to have free play because in their free time, boys gravitate towards trucks and girls gravitate towards dolls. So we must stop this kind of behavior. Can I just say this? Are we not losing our mind or what? I'm sorry, I just... I saw on the TV the other day a woman, kid, her boy was four or five, I can't remember, very young. And she had him dressed up like a girl. And they was talking to her about this. And her words were this. He's always felt like he was a girl 
So he wanted to dress up like a girl, and so therefore I'm letting him dress up like a girl. I don't think anything's wrong with him. Matter of fact, I should let him choose what he wants to be, whether he wants to be a girl or whether he wants to be a boy. I saw another lady that said this. They actually asked this question to this lady. She's there holding her child. It's a, evidently a newborn or one-year-old at best. And this, is, this was the question. How are you going to raise your kid? Sound like a legitimate question. But here's the next one. Are you going to raise this child as a boy or a girl? What? You're kidding me. And then Friday, we as a country have chosen to legalize same-sex marriage. Well, this agenda started way back in 1973 again. It's amazing what happened in 1973, a lot of stuff. Homosexual activists per persuaded the American Psychiatric Association to remove homosexuality from its list of psychiatric illnesses and reclassify it as normal behavior. This change was made not because of scientific data, but because of radical plans, a system, because radicals planned a systematic effort to disrupt the annual meetings of the American Psychiatric Association. One prominent psychiatrist said it was the first time in psychiatric history that a scientific society ignored scientific evidence and yielded to the demands of a militant group. Goes on to say, through this action, the radical gay movement let it be known that its agenda would proceed, number one, regardless of research and science and dialogue, Number two, that intimidation would be one of its weapons to achieve its agenda no matter what. Details of how the nation could be persuaded to accept the homosexual agenda were worked out by homosexual activists. It included disinformation, winning the allegiance of sympathetic media, and intimidation. All of these strategies have worked beyond our imagination. Wow. What does God's word say concerning same-sex marriage? Now, as I, as I share this, I'm amazed. And I hear so-called professing born-again believers are standing in line saying, in essence, I think it's okay. Now, I, I want you to hear God's word because I, I want you to ask yourself, is the word of God true or is the word of God not? And if the word of God is true, you can't take parts of it and say, I like this and I don't like that. This is not an a la carte you get in here. You get the whole shebang. And God's word says this. In Genesis chapter 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. How? Male and female, he created them. Now watch this. If you are involved in homosexuality, or you're in a, a, a sin of, a heterosexual sin, I just want you to know right up front how God sees you. You're very special. You're very special. He loves you. He created you as a person, distinct as you are, just the way God wanted you. And he has a plan, and he has a purpose to fulfill in and through your life, and it's all based on his amazing love that we sang here this morning. He loves you. He's crazy about you. We're all created in his image. 
And note with me, he created him male and female. He created him. Male is ish. Female is isha. Some guy told me one day, did you say she's an issue? I said, no, isha. Don't, don't misunderstand my Hebrew, okay? But in Genesis 2.24, it says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now this same teaching that starts in Genesis goes into the Gospels and goes into the letters of the New Testament as well. So we see that it's not something that was just as some people like to tell me, well, it was only mentioned one time in the Bible. If it's mentioned one time, it's good enough because when God speaks, that's enough. He don't have to speak two or three times, but if he tells you a principle one time, it's enough. But listen, if he declares it to you over and over and over again, you better not miss it. And he's calling out to America. He's calling out to the world. He's saying, this is the way. Walk in it. You want to be blessed, nations, do you want to be right, nations? Here's the way. Walk in it. And he declares to us that same-sex marriage is not ordained of God. It's not the will of God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that we, we throw them under the bus. It doesn't mean that, hey, that's the worst sin in the world. Listen, the worst sin in the world, you can tell you what it is, unbelief. That's the only thing that's going to keep you out of heaven is ugly unbelief. But hear me, the ramifications of this sin is just astronomical. This well-dressed man was on TV the other night, good-looking guy. He stood up there and he made this comment. Speaking of those who stood up for traditional marriage, those who believe this is the right way, this was his word to them. They can keep their bigotry to themselves. Really? Bigotry? Now, beware. If you stand up for tradition, you can be called names. And we're called names. But let me remind you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who's perfect in every way, was he ever called any names? Oh, yeah. And he said, listen, oh, by the way, I am the rock of offense. So if I'm really in your life and I am your life, as they offend you, they're going to offend me. As they offend me, you're going to be offended. So don't, don't look at it and say, oh, how can this happen to me? If it's not happening to you, something might be wrong with your right relationship. Now listen to the rest of this. He says, they can keep their bigotry, big, bigotry, easy for me to say, they can keep their bigotry to themselves, but watch this. But they have no right to impose their bigotry on the rest of us. Listen to the audacity of that statement. Wake up. Listen, what is he doing? He is imposing the very bigotry he says we're doing. He's trying to impose his bigotry on us. Have mercy. And it just, watch this. When he, people say something like this, this is what happens to most of it. Think. Let my people think, as Robbie Zacharias said. Let them think. Think about that statement. Really? Let me remind you, sir, of the flower shop. Let me remind you of the cake company. Let me remind you of the photographer. Let me remind you of the, the CEO of Mozilla who give $1,000 to Proposition 8 in California to to do what? To support traditional marriage. And they went after him and intimidated him and intimidated the company and protest and protest until he was to be removed. And they removed him. Oh, how about Indiana? The governor capitulated. And he allowed his cowardness to come out. And he gave in. Oh, 
Listen, church. Refuse to accept the dictum. If you love me, you must accept my lifestyle. Oh, no. Let me tell you, there's not a homosexual in this world. There's not a person in this world that I don't love. And church, we all are called to do the same thing. But watch this. As I counsel with many people from all walks of life, and I can tell you I have seen all walks of life, and it is incredible, it's heart-wrenching, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it'll break your heart. But one thing I know, this whole lie, if you love me, you must accept my lifestyle, is absolutely stupid. Now, I can tell you, I, I talked to many parents. Now, tell me, parents, if your child is coming in and stealing from you every time, I know you come to that person and say, you know, I love you. Just keep on doing that to me. I'm just so happy that you're doing that. Right? No. Oh, just so you went out there and got rip-roaring drunk last night, and you tore up your car, and you come back home, and you tore up mine too. It's okay. I love you. Just keep on doing it. You see how crazy that is? This is the same philosophy that's going on here, that they're trying to get you to believe. They're trying to get you to believe that if you love me, you must accept my lifestyle. No, my friends, don't let political correctness silence you anymore. It's killing the church. The truth is, on your side. That's why we got to stand up, we got to step up, and we got to speak up. Because why? We have the loving truth. It's found in the living Word of God. Well, let me just say this. How should we respond to those who are struggling in this area of homosexuality, or watch this, or better yet, how are we to respond to anyone who's struggling with any area of life? Now, I want to underscore this, and I want to put quotations around it, and I want to highlight it, and I don't want you to miss this. Hear me. We need to respond to people, no matter where they are, with great compassion. Great compassion. Because... If not for the grace of God, there go I. Don't ever think, my man, don't ever think, woman, that you'll never end up there. I'll never forget uh, this, this arrogant pastor used to point his finger at people uh, do, uh, having adulterous relationships and doing this and doing this and doing this. And down the road, guess what happened? He went down that road. You know, we can't understand people that are struggling with, with homosexuality. And that's why many of us just run away from them. Today I want to give you the feeling, try to help you to understand what's going on inside of a person. This is from a man that struggles, has struggled with homosexuality. He's come out of that and he leads a same-sex same sex attraction support group. Now watch this, let me ask you this question. Is same-sex attraction sin? Most of you are going to say yes. It's not. Listen, temptation is not sin. Because you're tempted in an area doesn't mean you've sinned. We've all been tempted, amen, in every area of life. And if that be the case, if that's the standard, guess what? We're doomed. Why don't we just go home? Amen? Same-sex attraction is not a sin. It's a temptation to sin. So hear my heart. This is, this is his words. He says, from the, time, from the time we were very young, we began to feel different from others. We were unsure of ourselves. We started to compare ourselves with others of the same gender and found ourselves falling short as to what it was to be a male. We were self-critical, self-condemning, self-judging. We felt like we were not understood. We were not accepted or did not belong. We started a life of, watch this, hiding, pretending, denying, and covering up the real feelings going on inside of us. Let me ask you this. 
Is this not the issue in all of our lives? That no matter what's going on, what, what issue it is that you, you struggle with, what is it when you had those feelings, that struggle in an area of your life, what is it we began to do? We began to pretend. We began to hide. And, and we began to deny. And what do we do? We began to cover up. And watch this. The more that you do that, you know what happens? It starts controlling you that much more. I understand this. I am a sojourner in life, and I understand what sin does. I understand the gravitational pull of the temptations of life. And I can tell you, I can understand and identify with what he's saying here. He goes on, he says, We especially felt confusion, self-doubt, and shame. We came to criticize and dislike feelings like anger, fear, inadequacy, insecurity, and especially our sexual feelings. We didn't let anyone else know who we really were. A full-scale self-rejection began to take place. And with it went our sense of self as a male, our gender identity, and gender security. As we got older, we were both alarmed and excited that our bodies were sexually drawn to the same sex. Some say that the presence of these same-sex attractions qualified us as homosexual. But it isn't true. Like heterosexual temptation, same-sex attraction tormented lives. For many of us, especially Christians, shame and a fear of condemnation drove the struggle underground, making it difficult to seek help and understanding. Some of us denied these feelings, hoping they would go away. Many of us live with a pervading sense of hopelessness about the possibility of ever changing. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had an issue in your life that you thought, man, I am never going to overcome. I'm, ne I'm never going to be able to change. It's just hopeless. I'm just, this is how I'm going to be. Ever felt that way? Ah, some of you need to repent. That's all I got to say. When the same-sex attractions turned into preoccupation, the temptation to embrace homosexual behavior became great. For some of us, the homosexual thoughts and behavior became obsessive, habitual, compulsive, and enslaving. Our lives became unmanageable with lust, discontentment, guilt, shame, loneliness, confusion, broken and unsatisfying relationships, sexual impurity, and spiritual bankruptcy. Homosexuality, he says in closing, was one of the ways to suppress the truth about the one who created us, who loves us, and desires to free us and make us whole. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will find salvation, healing, love, acceptance, forgiveness, freedom, purpose, satisfaction, joy, peace, encouragement, a renewed mind, clarity, a Holy Spirit-empowered will, emotional healing of wounds, our true identity in Jesus Christ, God esteem, and all needs met in a healthy, godly way. To God be the glory. Do you sympathize with somebody like that? Do you have compassion for somebody? You see, most of us can't identify with him or her. But watch this. You have your own issue. And you know you do. You know you do. You know what that struggle is. Let me just say this. As we respond with great compassion, can I say this concerning homosexuals? We have failed homosexuals by refusing to deal with sins among us. Second, we have also failed them by failing to distinguish between the radical homosexuals whose agenda we oppose and the homosexuals who are in the churches who struggle with sexuality. Can I say this? There is no time for self-righteous finger-pointing. We have to humble ourselves before God and others. Being true yourself how's that working for you true to who you are don't you think about it. move back to that statement if you get again please Bruce, thank you being true to yourself I want you to look at that statement who is the authority 
in that statement? You. You are the authority. So guess what? Hey, if Rick's the authority, whatever Rick thinks and feels is right. Amen? Isn't that great, Rick? What authority you've got? He's saying, oh, no. And his wife says, oh, no. <laughs> now I want you to see this. The greatest basketball coach ever. You know who he is? Many of you young people don't even know. John Wooden. The greatest basketball coach ever. There'll never be one like him again. I guarantee there won't. This man, I'm telling you, the godly man, and he won, I think, 11 championships, NCAA championships. I mean, unbelievable. This guy just, he, character, 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 what you see in this guy. This is what John Wooden said. Listen to this. Being true to ourselves doesn't make us people of integrity. And he gives a, at that point in time and day, uh, an analogy. He says, Charles Manson was true to himself. And he is rightly spending the rest of his life in prison. Now, get this wisdom. This is what we've got to get here today, church. Ultimately, being true to our Creator gives us the purest form of integrity. There it is. Thank you, coach. What a great truth. Hear me. I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> being true to ourselves doesn't make us people of integrity. Ultimately, being true to our Creator gives us the purest form of integrity. Young people, don't miss this. Parents, especially, don't miss this. The most important thing about your child is not who he or she is, but who God is. That's where it's about. What do we need today? I'm going to tell you what we need today. We need courageous men and women of faith. And I got some great news for you. You know where your courage comes from? It comes from the Lord. And I'm going to share with you my favorite, favorite, all-time favorite, favorite promise in the Word of God. Don't miss it. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, give the Lord a hand. He's with you, and he is your God. And if God be for you, if God be with you, you can overcome, and you will overcome, church. Stand and know that God is for you. And if he be for you, he can help you through anything you face in life. Help is right here, right now, in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, let me close with this. What do we do? Number one, remember, it is not necessary for us to win in this life in order to win in the next life. We may have lost the battle here, but we will win the war. Because watch this. Our home is not here. Our home is way up yonder. Amen? Keep focused on where your life is. It's hidden in Christ. Second, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the consequences, I'm going to say it again, regardless of the consequences, we will be faithful, church, to our commitment to Scripture to speak the truth in love. As long as you have me here as your pastor, I want you to know that by God's grace and God's strength, I will proclaim to you and be faithful to you so that you can follow me as I follow the Lord to be faithful to him and his word and declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. You too need to be faithful. In light of that, I told you three things earlier. We need to stand up, step up, speak up. Watch this church. This is how it works. 
We need to stand up for the truth that's found in God's Word. We need to step up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to speak up in love. That's what a Christian is. That's what we're to be seen as. And third, we need to renew our commitment to pray for revival for our country and our churches. And pray for those who are in bondage, no matter what kind of bondage they're in. I can tell you as a pastor, as a sojourner with you, my passion is to see people free. The reason why I call this church Freedom Bible Church is because I knew that Jesus Christ could set you free. And I knew that when you knew the truth, the truth would what? Set you free. And you see, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. He is our freedom. He is the one who sets us free. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And last, I'm going to really hit home here. We need to repent of our own sins and our own failures. We need to repent of our own sins and our own failures. I'm going to close with these verses right here. Do you believe the law of God is good? The Bible says it is. The law is good. You know what the law is for? It's to show us where we missed the mark and to lead us to be a tutor and a schoolmaster to lead us to the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Now listen to the law of God. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, present tense, just as I forewarned you, past tense, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the law of God. Let me give you another verse. The law of God. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is the good word of God. That is the law of God. My friend, hear me. I hope that you are convicted. I hope that you've seen yourself in these two verses somewhere along the way. So therefore, you won't be doing that anymore. Instead, you'll be doing this. Now, here's the grace of God. You've got to understand the law of God before you can appreciate the grace of God. Look what the grace of God says. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. God does not want to put the law on your life to condemn you. He's put the law on your life to convict you so that you would turn to the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ that he can cleanse you and wash away all of your sin, past, present, and future, and that he can call you his child, set you apart for work for him, empowered by the Holy Holy Spirit and justify you before the Father as righteous and good and, un and, and un uh, unapproachable, yeah. blameless, excuse me. Oh, church, now's the time for the Holy Spirit to work. That's a strong drop, Robert. Law of gravity still works. <laughs> Church, I don't believe at this point in time in the service. Guys, y'all come up and you would, Bruce. This is the time to cry out to God. First of all, for your own sin. Your own sin. And not only your sin, but the sins of our country. Church, we're broken. And the Bible tells us because of our brokenness, 
what mankind has done is turn inward. And when mankind turns inward, it begins to believe the lie. i got to be true to myself. Well, let me remind you what yourself is. You are a sinner, deceived and in desperate need of the Savior. That's why Jesus Christ came, not to condemn you, but to take you and forgive you for all of your sin so that you can have life, that you have a relationship of love with God, that you can now reflect the glory of who God is and all of His goodness and His grace and His mercy, His righteousness and His goodness, that you would represent Him in this life until death separates us. I just got through writing a paper, and I'm going to be putting it on our website soon, called, Are You Fulfilling God's Purposes in Your Life? I get everything proofread and right, it'll be up there soon. I'll let you know. But this is the basis of where we are, church. Everybody's seeking to try to find their purpose. Can I tell you, it's found in one person. His name's Jesus. Do you know him today? He's crying out for you today to let you know, I love you this much. I gave my son for you. The Father is crying out to the crown of his fallen creations as come. I got life to give you. Come, I've got forgiveness to give you. Come, I got everything you need for this life and the life to come. Come, I'll never turn my back on you. Church, he's waiting. Father, in Jesus' name, let your altar be filled today. Let our hearts be filled with our own brokenness, O oh God. And let us see the way to the cross and see that you have satisfied your righteousness in your Son. O oh, Holy Spirit, come and meet with us. There's one here today that does not know thee, O oh God. Let this be the day of their salvation. Help them, God. Give them courage today, God. Give your people courage today, Lord, to be right with you and to confess their sins and turn away from their sin and begin to live a righteous life representing you in this world to tell others about the good news that Jesus loves them though their sins be as gone. Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. You come, church. The altar's open. Come and let, let God hear our cries this morning.